Hey everybody, we're back. It is the day after Thanksgiving here in the U.S. We call it Black Friday. And do you think people watch our Facebook Lives outside of the U.S.? Uh, Melanie's been on before. Hello, Scott. But I don't, I don't know. It's, it's weird timing. I think so. I'm not a hundred percent sure there. Yeah. I mean, like Australia, it's already tomorrow or something. They're up early, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyway, if you're here seeing this, or people are listening now, so we've been putting these as podcasts as well, um, but we are doing the 100 outside the 100. Jason keeps calling them something else stupid. Beyond the 100, because that's what it was last year, and I'm a creature of habit, and that's what we do. But I keep saying the 100 beyond the 100. Yeah, you did just say it, 100 beyond the 100, right there. <laughs> exactly, that's what it is. That's why I called it that. Uh, whatever. Um, but we, let's see, this week, in this week's podcast, which is already posted, if you haven't checked that out, we did, what, 70? Through 61. Through 61, yes. I think. Yes, that sounds right. Um, and we're kind of keeping pace with that, because tonight we're going to start at 170. So we are working our way towards 100, which is where... Um, our regular weekly podcast started, which was our top 100. So this is our top 200, but only 200 to 100? Yes, 200 to 101. <laughs> so you keep talking. I'm going to shut off the Wi-Fi because I don't want to get a lag again. So you can oh, go ahead and okay. start. I forgot to do that. Yeah, it has been uh, like a uh, overdubbed movie here lately. Saturday in Australia. That's not a bad time because what else are you doing in Australia on a Saturday? Of course, there's lots to do it. Because I'm a boomer, so um, hope for the best. All right, there we go. What do you mean you don't know how to do it? Now it's black. You killed it. Okay, now it's back. Yeah, I don't know. We'll just leave it. You just, you just pull on the thing and you undo it. The... It wouldn't do it. Okay. I don't know. So if our mouths are moving at something different than our voices, just we, don't look we at apologize. us. <laughs> Just don't. go listen to the audio if you want, or whatever. Just don't look at us. <laughs> yeah. I actually recommend that frequently, to be honest. I don't. I'm a handsome fella. Hey, Fred! Fred's joining for a live one. I don't know if he's been on before, has he? I know. I feel like this is kind of late for you, Fred. Are we keeping up past your bedtime? I'm real sorry about that, man. I'm glad you're on, Fred. We love Fred. I, I am glad you're on. Happy Thanksgiving, belated Thanksgiving. Ooh, my hair looks real greasy. Guys, I'm sorry. Stop looking at yourself. You uncovered it, and now I can see how bad my hair is. Just focus on talking about the games. <laughs> okay. Aw, oh, Fred's making exception. Thanks, Fred. Ignore my greasy hair. Um, so tonight, yeah, we're starting at 170. We've been doing nine or? Ten. Ten. Um, Fred, you stop it. <laughs> <laughs> We've been doing 10. Oops, 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 oops. No, no. Stop. Try to just like the stuff. Just keep talking. Boomer. About what I'm doing. We might do 10. We might go a little bit further. Um, we'll see how it goes. But we're going to start at 170. And since Jason always starts on the podcast, I am starting on the video. Uh, so my number 170 is a game that I have played the crap out of. I like card games a lot. Because card games, I think, are really accessible to non-gamers. This is a great way to drag them into the hobby unknowingly. And the game I'm talking about is Ohanami. Okay, so it's cards. It is 
Asian themed. It's so pretty. So Ohanami, really simple game. Um, you have cards from one to a lot. One forty. Yeah, a lot of yeah. One fifty. One high number. Yeah, one mid mid. Over the one hundreds, um, and you are. It's drafting, and you are drafting cards to put into three gardens. So you don't really have control over what people are taking, obviously, but you're taking two cards at a time as you're passing around these cards. Oh, Hanami plays in four round, four it's rounds? Three, I think. Three rounds. You get the blue, green, and the gray. And the yeah. gray, and which yeah. pink. Yeah. So, and the cards not only have numbers, but they have colors. Uh, the numbers help you organize your gardens because you want to put your gardens in numerical order. You can have them go ascending or descending. But once you lay two cards on top of each other in a garden, you cannot place any cards in between. So later on when you're drafting cards, you're like, oh crap. I need to put these somewhere and they can't go in here and they can't go in here. So you're trying to like lay out your cards in a way that leaves you with lots of open options. Because sure, you can pass on a card, but you're just throwing away points because the colors are what dictate points. So blue cards score every round, green cards score the second and third round, and then gray cards, gray cards only score the third round, and then pink cards will, will be cumulative and then score that last round as well. It's so easy. I've taught this to a bunch of people, um, even like our friend who poops and everything, his wife, who is also like the queen of pooping and everything, <sighs> should never watch this. They're poop-tastic. Right. They'll, they'll be on this one. But we did tell him, me and Brandon told him, that he gets talked about about being the poop man. So he would, He'll never watch it. His wife won't either. Because <laughs> that requires personality. Um, Whoa. She likes this game. I'm inviting him to watch right now. She, shut up. She asked to play this game. Game after I had taught it with her and a couple of people a year before. She's like, oh, that game was really good. Great. If I can drag you into that game, I absolutely will. It's, again, simple play on your turn. You take two cards. You put them in a garden. But that choice gets really agonizing, and the more rounds you go, ugh. I really love it. Jason doesn't love it as much as me. He hasn't played it as much as me. Right. Fred said his game group loves it. it because it's good. Yeah. It's good. Yeah, so my 170 is Ohanami. You need to get this. My number 170 probably would be higher. Oh. If, if it had, I don't know. I love it. It has the enthusiasm of a 10. Like, I love this game with the enthusiasm of a 10. But it's just not, I, I am aware that it's not like the greatest game ever, which is why I couldn't rate it that high. So 170, bag of chips. After all the hype that you've done over this game, it's I, a 170 I'm not saying for you? that it's bad. Fred, do you hear this? 170 bag of chips. Bag of chips is a push your luck game. You are um, pulling these chips out of the bag. They're going to represent one of, I think, four or five different flavors of chips. Three or four. I'm not sure. There are different flavors of chips. Each flavor has a different number of chips in the bag. And what you're trying to do is, over the course of pulling um, chips out over four like pools, you're going to be playing these cards in your hand that are goals. And they're going to score differently for each type of chip. Maybe if there's more chicken chips than regular potato chips. If you have six barbecue chips, you're going to get so many points. But you're doing this interesting thing where you're placing one card on a negative side for like minus points and two cards on a positive side. 
So if by chance this card that you think is not going to score on the negative actually does work out, you might be losing some points. So you're trying to have the most points in the round to get a, like a potato token, a scoring token, or two depending on the player count, and whoever gets four of those first wins. It's a super fast game, lightning quick. Uh, you can play this game in sometimes two rounds, sometimes it takes more than that. Uh, it's really fun. And there's an instant win card, which is always awesome in a game. I've seen it happen. Yeah, it has happened. I wasn't playing, which was really sad, because I, I love that card. But yeah, it's a fun game. If you can find it, it's super cheap, like 12 13 bucks. It's just a bag, chips, and some cards. That's mm -hmm. it. Really fun, push your luck. Give it a go. 170 bag of chips. I'm pretty sure this is higher on my list. I'm not sure where. It better be after I think all that it, crap. I think it would be higher if it, ha if it had a higher player count. Yeah, it is kind of lame that you can play like five or six. Yeah. I'd like to see um, thank you. Thank you, Fred. It should make it to a top 100. I gave the fun factor a 10. I don't know if anybody heard me say that or not. Meaningless words, Jason. Uh, Meaningless Fred, words. I thought you had my back. I thought you had my back. Uh, after that kind of disappointment. But player count and what else? Um, like if it did, I'd love to see them do an expansion for this. Like a bigger bag of chips. <laughs> a double bag. Um, where... They're probably not going. <laughs> I mean, another flavor added. Uh, some new car... Some, like a new element. You can switch chips or something. Can eat chips. Surprise chips. Yeah, like take them out and like if you don't like one, you can throw one away or something. Yeah, Burnt know. chip. Yeah, that'd be cool. Yeah. So much stuff you could do. Just take up like 10 players. Like have a whole bunch of people playing this game. It's a silly push your luck game. Yeah. Yeah. True. Okay. Disappointing rank, but sure. Good game. It only, go down, it only goes downhill from here. <laughs> My number 169 is a game from Upper Deck and I think. Yeah, right? Yes. And I thought, really? Upper Deck? That's so weird. Um, it has a crazy theme, but people love it, uh, and that's... Here comes Lita. Bring Out Your Dead. Our cat's joining us. I apologize in advance. <laughs> uh, Bring Out Your Dead is a it's an area control game and um, simultaneous action selection. Yes. I wasn't asking for confirmation. Oh, sorry. I'm just saying. I thought you were talking to me about staring at the cat. <laughs> I want to go boot the cat out. So everyone has the same cards that you can use to determine when you're going to take your turn. And you're trying to get your family members, which are represented by little coffins, onto um, the wagon that carts the dead off to the graveyard. Uh, if you can't get them on the wagon, then they end up going down the river, and those are negative points. Meanwhile, once you do get them to the graveyard, you're actually putting them in different sections to score points in an area control game. Uh, there are other cards. There's some set collection that you can do as well uh, that they'll give you special cards to allow you to kind of circumvent the normal rules. But just the... You can't help but, number one, quote Monty Python the entire time. And then, number two, just like make ridiculous comments about your dead relatives throwing them down the river. It's, the, the um, production quality is amazing. I don't know if you can, can, is this available, like, readily? It was at Ollie's for a long time. Oh, yeah. But I don't, it's not now because of good stuff cycles in and out of mm -hmm. there. But I'm sure you can find it on the geek market. Yeah. It's got some bad rap for some reason. I have no idea. I understand why. Like, again... 
I'm not a heavy euro, you know, whatever. But I like simultaneous action selection. Um, the quirky theme people really dig. And the little wooden pieces that are in there for the coffins and like your player markers and stuff. Like surprisingly good quality. So my number 169, bring out your dead. Yeah, that's a good one. Thank you. Uh, my number 169 is honestly a game I've only played one time. But I keep wanting to play it more. And I'm going to make Brandon play with me again. I, yeah. Or you I, can play it with me. For once. Uh, and it's called Queen's Architect. And surprisingly, it's from Queen. Imagine that. No, I mean, it's just, it's not based around the, the company Queen. It's just about a queen and her architect. And this is a game where you are, I'm trying to ex explain it. I'm tr I'll try to explain it the best I can. You're recruiting these different people to come into your, like, tableau effectively and each of these people are going to come into your tableau with a certain strength to do what they do but as you use them they may level up or they may get weaker and what you're trying to do is you're trying to use different types of people with different certain like with different strengths to go to these locations and build build buildings you're trying to move up these like uh favor track again i'm gonna put it once so i'm trying to remember scott said it's a race game yeah you're racing to do the stuff that's the track that you're trying to run up um, and it, it's it's really fun. It has some cool resting mechanism where you can go to the bar and like you know rest up and all that kind of thing. It's a cool game. I would like to play it more. I just I don't remember how to play it really, so I'd have to relearn it, and then I just don't really want to do that. So, uh, one sixty nine Queen's Architect, but it is good for my one play. I can't comment on this because he doesn't play it with me. Like a lot of games, we're finding out. Want to play it online with Fred? It's not online. I don't know that. My number 168, I think you talked about it on the podcast this week, if I'm not mistaken. Yes. And this is an Alexander Feaster game. I remember from what Jason said about it. Um, a lot of people say it's a, like Mombasa, but better and not racist. And that's uh, Blackout Hong Kong. The biggest complaint I've heard about this game is that everything's black. And I'm like, it's a blackout don't really understand what more you're looking for um i played this maybe twice but there's some really interesting mechanisms that are happening here um because you're working with these cards that you have um and they're they're people that i don't say they're people that do things but they have these different like job functions like uh there's a doctor engineer an engineer all the standard tropes Right. Um, but you, you, you use them and they can get exhausted and you have to like kind of get them out of sick bay, I think is where they end up. Yeah, the medicats um, go rescue. Right. And, but you're using them to get resources, which are allowing you to do other things. Um, and then you're also kind of having this sort of area control piece on the big blacked out board um, because you're trying to restore power to Hong Kong. I mean, thematically, okay. But I think there's a lot of neat things happening here. Would I play it all the time? No. But would I play it if someone said, hey, I really want to play this game? Absolutely. Um, so that's why it's kind of like towards the bottom of my 200. Um, because I never played Mubasa and uh, like Jason and Joel played it and they went on and on, on about it. Um, and did we own a copy of Mubasa for a while? Yeah, I thought you played it because I'm pretty sure we played it with Chris and Amy once. Mm-mm. Because I know I played it with Chris, and it had to have been here. 
I, but we did have it for a while. It just never got played because I'd rather play this one. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't play it, but we did play Blackout Hong Kong. And yeah, there's a again, and with a lot of Feaster games, like there are others of his I like much better actually, and you will hear those in the podcast. Oh yeah, I like some of his better than. Me. Um, but it has like a lot of things happening that he likes to do. Um, this relates to this, which plays off of this. Which again, I'm very used to Vitalis sort of kind of stuff, not to that crazy extent, but still the idea of things kind of kind of snowballing and building on each other, and you have to kind of plan ahead a little bit, um, but not so deep that you're like, I can't figure this game out. You know, it's not Lisboa like I talked about in the podcast this week. It's not that difficult, but it does have a lot of things going on in there, and that's that's why I enjoy it. So my 168 blackout Hong Kong. Yeah, and Scott did say that Mombasa has been reprinted as Sky Mines, so it's no longer a theme that colonial. So is theme. it space theme? It's like colonizing, or I don't know if you're even colonizing. You're doing stuff in space somewhere on some planet. I don't know. Yes, I hate space. But space is not controversial most of the time until we find aliens and well, they that, say we're going to yeah. enslave them, and then it's a whole but thing. It's definitely humans a, are terrible. It's definitely a better theme than colonizing Africa. I agree. <laughs> like a hundred percent. Uh, my, my list. There it is right there. Alright. So my number 168 is actually, it was one of the games that was the new hotness, I think, last year at Origins or Gen Con. I think it was last we year. Saw, yeah, yeah, yeah. About, this is about. from Arcane Wonders, and it's called Furnace. And this is a, a, actually a, almost like filler-esque. A little filler-esque like bidding engine building game. Takes place over four rounds. You're going to have discs that are one, two, three, and four in value, and you're going to put your disc out onto one of these cards in a central board to try to buy those cards. You win those cards, basically. But the trick is, you can't put your same thing on. You can't bid twice for the same card. Some character powers will break that rule, but as a general, we can't do that. And highest number on the card wins. But mm -hmm. if someone wins the card, but you still bid on the card, you get to take the resources of the card. Mm -hmm. So you're getting a consolation prize. You just don't get the card for your engine. And that's it. You bid on cards. You put them in your engine. You run your engine. You gather uh, goods. You turn goods into points. You turn points into other things. You're upgrading cards. to flip them to the other side to make them even better. Four rounds. Pretty quick. Game over. It has yeah. pretty neat production. It's white. It's got some interesting, like, old-timey looking art. That's right there behind your head. Yeah, right there. There's the box. You can just see the edge of it. Um, it <laughs> it's a fun game. It was going for a lot of money at the con. I wasn't going to pay $50 for this. We got it for considerably cheaper than that. Um, but it, Like we do. It's worth. <laughs> it, it's a $30 game that was being sold as a $50 game. Um, it, it doesn't have enough game in there for 50 bucks. But there is an expansion coming out, I think. Ooh. Or it's out. I don't know. Probably won't have it because that game's fine on its own. But if you like engine building games, quick games, my number 168 Furnace is a good one. Yeah, um, I did think it was going to be something more than it was because it is very small. But there's a lot of cool stuff with that. Um, even the numbers, like as you play them, the disc gets smaller so you can see like who is on top as far as like having the bid. There's just some cool stuff in there, and it's like free-for-all kind of engine building. Like, you decide what cards you run in order. You can play that You can that play way. a variant that you don't. That you have to run them in order. Which yeah. I... That would be brutal. I kind of like. 
But that's... It's, it makes the game harder for it sure. It would be a lot harder, which I think would be good um, in some ways because that's when you place a card, where you place it really matters. Uh, but there is a lot of conversion out the wazoo, like everywhere happening all the time. And you're like trying to say, okay, what do I need? And then you'll run the engine you're like, oh, crap, I didn't have enough coal. Okay, get a card that gets coal. Like, or sometimes you don't even want to win the bid because you want the resources. And you're like, dang it, I won that card because somebody else bid on it. I wanted the resources. So there is some cool stuff to that game that you don't see, I think, in some other games. I kind of agree with Fred. It's a good game, but it shine wears off with every play. I can see that. I do get less excited every time I play it. But the first time I was like, dude, this is awesome. And then I was like, eh, it's fine. <laughs> um, I think as much as we play games on repeat, which isn't often. It's fine. It's yeah. fine. We'll bust it out maybe once a year. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. It's fine. That's why it's down there. Um, My Number 167 is a game that Jason apparently hates. Um, and a lot of people I know really love. I, I don't hate this game. I love this game. Oh, I thought you said... You, oh, no. it's not you, it's Josie. You yeah, it. I love this game. Okay, correction, Jason. Fake news, Jason loves this game. I, I don't know. My ratings say I love it, but <laughs> I, will gla- I, I will gladly play it. I do like this game a lot. Um, It's another kind of large player count game, and that is Celestia. I didn't play this like you would play... Everybody in my family played it without me, apparently. At some point, I finally... Uh, like, yeah. you played Branchosi, my sister. They all have played it, and I never played it. I'm like, what the heck? So Celestia is a push-your-luck game. You're all in an airship, um, and you're going to move to these different islands. You're going to hop. And each time that you get to an island, one person is the captain. You go around. Uh, the captain rolls the dice, and the dice tell you what colors card of cards you need to have in order to be able to safely continue to navigate the ship. Everybody else says, oh, do I think the captain has that? If you don't think they do, jump out. Ban and ship. I'm out. Now, that means you miss... Collect a card. Collect a card. That means you miss on better rewards because as the islands get further, um, the rewards get better. It also gets more difficult because you're rolling more dice. Um, You don't always collect cards. You get some, a a few every round, but not very many. Yeah, you get, I think, one or two new cards at the end of every round. So when the ship, the captain either, either stops or the ship sinks. Crashes. Get, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's not, yeah. Crashes. So the thing about that is we may play for a while, and if there's not very many of us, as a captain, you might be doling out six cards in a hand. You only get two back. Um, and then there's some special cards. We also have an expansion for this. We have both. Oh, we have two both expansions yeah. for this. You can hop in. You, there's jetpacks. Um, you can also hop in this little side. Looks um, like a bucket or a barrel. A barrel that it can also fly, where you can kind of go in tandem with the ship. Um, we also have the expansion where you can play cards from your hand to help the captain. I just have I played that before. Mm-hmm. I, we just never played it out of ours. Yeah. Um, the cool thing about this is it has really awesome production. Like the airship is cool. I always like to spin the propeller. Unnecessary, absolutely unnecessary. Everybody jumps out. We make crashing noises. Uh, it's just a good like push your luck. Do they have the cards? Do they? Don't they? Is it going to go farther? Am I going to be able to mitigate the dice? That kind of thing. Like it's just a good, fun little game. 
167 is Celestia. Yeah, that is a good one. And the art is, it's gorgeous. The art is, it is really pretty, sure. All right, so my number 167, I think Katie had this either on one of these or on the podcast. I don't remember. It was on one of these because it's a two-player and I always make yeah, this right, Yeah, and this is a Bruno Catala game and it's called Nagaraja. Katie already talked about it a little bit, but this is a two-player game where you're going to this cave trying to find different treasure. And the way you're doing that is you're rolling these sticks that have pips on some sides. They have lines, which are ragas or nagas. We went over this before. On the other <laughs> side, the lines will let you play cards. The pips will provide, I think, strength on who goes first. I don't, I don't remember. We haven't played it for a long time. And then you're trying to play these cards down to help you get tiles to go into your your um, cave. You're maybe moving stuff around in your cave. You may be sticking some stuff on your opponent's board to make it harder for them and all that kind of thing. It's a really fun back-and-forth two-player game. It's a race to get to a certain number of points. Or if someone gets too many cursed treasures, they lose. So fun, fun game. Simple. Really cool production. Those sticks are really fun to throw, and just a good time. So my number one sixty-seven, Nagaraja. Yeah, instead of dice, you're throwing the sticks, which is cool. Uh, my one sixty-six. Did you talk about it on the podcast this week? Yes. Yes. So Jason likes. I like this game a lot. Significantly better than me. The reason I don't like it is it is basically area control, and I never win. But I've used it to just be annoying <laughs> instead. And that came with Dogs of War. Uh, Dogs of War is an elaborate uh, tug of war game. So you, you have your people. I always choose the pink lady with the huge hat because she takes up so much space on the board. And it's annoying to Jason. So I like to do that. It's super annoying. You can't even put your character next to it because the stupid hat's in the way. The hat is great. It's a big hat. I love it. It's funny. Like the Burt Reynolds of this game. It's awesome. So, um, you, everyone has special power also as your little faction. I don't know. Um, you also have a particular like color of faction because there's these pennants, flags that move up based on who wins different battles, these houses. Um, you start with one that you kind of are backing. And as they win, they move up in how much points are going to be worth. So you can also then gain more of those pennants to then cash in for points at the end of the round. You're also, um, in some ways, it's a, there's a little bit of a hand management because you are able to buy these cards that allow you to play power onto the fights that pull it one way or another. And you need to be able to play a card to place a person down. Right. So you have to be getting those things. And they're like different kinds of troops and war machines. War machine. War machine, if you have enough. <laughs> um, they're expensive. Money to buy them because they're, they're expensive. Um, if your side wins, you get some uh, like a bonus from the center. That's also then that whatever color that side represented is moving up on the flag. And that's going to give you points if you're backing that, that horse there. Uh, Stupid fun. It's mean. It's, oh, it's, really mean. it's mean. Sometimes it's unintentionally mean too. Because you can just go somewhere where somebody wants to go and just do your own thing and still screw them over. But sometimes you could be a mean, just a jerk. Play both sides of the, the battle and yeah. Yeah, there's only so many places that you can go and you can be like, oh yeah, well if you go here on this battle, then I'll go over here and sway it your way. And backstabbing <laughs> ensues. Yeah. Um, it's pretty nasty. Yeah. There are still people that I will not forgive 
what happened in this game. He said to me. Yeah. But he, the, he won't watch this. No. This will be a game that I, I definitely want to play. And it's best that the higher player counts because there's more people fighting over stuff. Absolutely. And stuff is swaying back and forth and you don't know what's going to happen. Um, it's so low because, again, like I, I can never win this game. Oh no! I don't even try to win. I just, I just enjoy. You the game. have one. I have one, but I don't try to. I just happen sometimes. And that's annoying because I try to, and I don't ever win. Because you got those stupid hats. The hats. Are I almost great. said a bad word on this thing. Oh, guess who? Who's a potty mouth now? It's not me. It's not me. See, you're just like filling. On, you're, you're the one placing the bad words in there for me. I'm not even saying them on the podcast. Sure. So that's my 166 dogs of war. Yeah, that's a good game. It, and like I said on the podcast, it's you, hard to find. If, if you can find it for cheap and you like games like that, check it out. Oh yeah, it's worth it totally. My number one sixty six is actually um, a game that Katie probably likes way more than me. Oh, and yeah, this so. is a Sagrada killer in my opinion. Yes, and this is called Role Player. And we only had the base game, but we've played at least one of the expansions, the Monster one. Mm-hmm. Our friend has that. And this is a, just a game of drafting dice. So you're taking different colored dice and you're putting them in your player board in either in a, in a certain column. What you're trying to do, you're trying to do that for a couple of reasons. Each of these things is like a D&D trait, like constitution, wisdom, intellect, intelligence, business, acumen, Charisma, I don't know. Stop. And you're trying to get a certain value of yes. dice faces in those columns. And then... You're also trying to get certain colored dice in in different spots on your board to meet some other kind of goal. There's um, and there's cards you can buy from the market. There's um, different traits that you can get that go under your board that give you like special powers, different way to score. And you're just trying to get the most points. The game is going to end when everybody has their board filled with dice, um, and that's it. So yeah, it's a good game. It's fun. If you like Sagrada, this is better. Go check this out. So 166 role player. Yeah, this theme really speaks to me. I'm pretty good at it. I also like that it's it's got that other set collection piece. And there's, I think, a lot of ways to mitigate dice, which I really like about it. Like, I think that that really makes it, like, a very engaging, um, like, strategy game. I did like the monsters. That monster connection was cool. I know. And Jason was like, oh, I don't know. And then this man in it. But. The monsters made it seem like I had a purpose. Otherwise, I was just filming a stained glass window that was set in D and D. But the monsters made it cool. Hmm. Almost like going on an adventure. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> My number one sixty five was introduced to us by Fan Zero. I don't think he's watching. He might be booted out of his Fan Zero status. <laughs> no, he has to work a lot. Um, so we played this one year at Origins, and it's a theme I don't love, Cthulhu, but the game is fun, and it's called Ancient Terrible Things. Look at that. We did it at the same time. That's cute. <laughs> you stop it. <laughs> Ancient Terrible Things is reminiscent of Kingsport Festival, which I also like, because Kingsburg is like, eh, the eh version of Kingsport yeah. Festival. Uh, I think Ancient Terrible Things is probably better, but we haven't played it. We should play it more because of that. So it's Yahtzee-esque. Yahtzee with way more game. Which is what Kingsport Festival is like as well. So I feel like it's a good bridging game for people. Also, some people are into 
the whole Lovecraftian Cthulhu nonsense for some reason. And so this this has a hint of it. I don't feel like it's overwhelming. No. Um, but you are rolling dice to try and like defeat these different scenarios. Um, you also can collect equipment to help you do that. And you get points for doing that? Okay, so Scott... You get points, yeah. You, everything gives you points. Beating the cards, getting... Yeah. yeah. This is barely a Cthulhu game. It has Cthulhu <laughs> art, and it's black and green. Yeah. There's insanity and madness. Outside of that, it's Yahtzee. I say London Dread is more of a Cthulhu-type game and studying Emerald, way more Cthulhu-esque. Yeah, my favorite Cthulhu game... Well, I don't know this for sure, but if I was going to pick one right now, it'd probably be either this one that Katie's talking about, um, Study in Emerald, or Kingsport Festival. Because I don't really love, love Cthulhu either. And I, I'm not really a Lovecraftian reader at all. So maybe that would change my mind if I had if I read more of it. But um, I, it's barely there. The scenarios arise, I think, because the Elder Gods or whatever. But... You're just really like rolling dice and matching the symbols and trying to, you know, use your, your, what did I call it just a second ago? I just said stuff. Your, um, gear. Yeah, your gear and things, um, tools to your advantage. So it's nice for people who are like, well, I love Yahtzee. I'm like, okay, well, you can roll dice. So if you can roll dice, Let's just add a little more. So it's like that stepping stone. It's like that gateway drug that you use to bring people over to the dark side, this board gaming, the hobby. Uh, but it, it's, it is pretty good. I would really like to get this one out and play it again, um, especially with kind of our family that is leaning, tiptoeing into the kind of designer board gaming experience. Uh, because and they're reprinting it. I did not know that. Mike posted on Discord or something that they're doing a oh. full a full reprint. Call it something else because you can't use the same thing on Kickstarter twice. But I think it's supposed to have all the expansions and everything in one box, hmm. which is cool because it's criminally out of print, hard to find. Sorry, I made a trade for it, but I don't mean to keep. That's like the second, at least the second one that's super out of print or out of print that you can't get. I don't mean to do that. I agree, Scott. Kingsburg is fine. Kingsport is more of a game. Yeah. It's harder to fit in your table, but it's more of a game. Yeah, because we played Kingsport Festival first. Mm -hmm. And then we got Kingsburg, and I was like, oh, that's it? Same mechanisms, but Kingsport adds, like, uh, cards that can give you spells and stuff. Makes it mm -hmm. a deeper game, in my opinion. Yeah, very similar than to Ancient Terrible Things. So I happen to like them both, but my 165 is Ancient Terrible Things. My number 165 is actually a two-player only game, and mm. I had this on my list before it was out, and I got scolded by <laughs> Mr. Picorni. And this one is called Lawyer Up. We have a full copy now, so I can have this on my list wherever I want to. And this is a two-player game only, where you're trying a case. Someone's going to be the prosecution, someone's going to be the defense. That sounds fancy, but really what you're doing is... You're playing cards in front of you, and you're trying to influence the jury by kind of doing a tug-of-war um, to get more influence on your side. If you're the prosecution, you need to make the jury, all of them, on your side. If you're the um, defense, you just need to have some doubt in at least a couple of them. 
like real life. Race it up. And then uh, you, you have a certain way you can play cards. Like you have to follow an eye, like an icon that's on a card before that. Mm -hmm. Some cards mm -hmm. give you special abilities. Some cards will play off the top of the other player's deck. A whole bunch of like triggers and stuff, but it's a pretty simple way to play. You could even go have a sidebar with the judge, and that gives you some kind of special ability, but then you can't do it again until the other player does it. Mm -hmm. Some really cool stuff. It's a really fun game. There's five cases in the box. I've only ever played the art thief, I think. Whatever the case was we got in the yeah, the demo, that's the only one I've played. But we have Salem Witch Trial, The Godfather, and like a, I think we played a murder. There's an Art Thief case as well. It's mm -hmm. really good. It's a clever card game. I've never played another game like it. It's really cool. So my number 165, Lawyer Up. And we played that intro case more than once, actually. Because <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. good. Because you can play both sides and it plays completely different. Right, right. Cool. And the things come out in different, like evidence and cards come out in different ways it reminds me a little bit of that one like mobster game where you walk along like the cards are like the streets you're like a witness and you're trying to make it oh yeah mantis falls mantis falls yeah that's a cool game too that one yeah. plays differently than a lot of other games too yeah. uh, my number 164 is a game we picked up at origins this year and I was won over by the artwork and also the fact that it was like a father-son duo who um, created the game, designed it, did the art, and then worked to get it published. And I thought that was so great. And the son, he's probably... Barely 20. Yeah. Everybody seems like they're 20 to me. I know. Yeah. He seems so young. And I was like, he's great. He's son. probably like 30. But he's, he's I know. Like 20. He's 10 years older than me, but I was like, look at him, bless his heart. Um, he totally sold me on the game, explained the whole thing. It was really great. And that's Cryptid Cafe. So Cryptid Cafe is a basic, um, I don't say basic, it's a contract fulfillment game, but you work in a cafe that serves monsters. So you've got monsters coming out that are at your seats, and you have to be able to fulfill their orders by taking the items um, from your Kraken chef. <laughs> but you're competing with other people to get those items. The chef only makes so much stuff. Yeah, he's not very willing to accommodate you. Unless you give him money. <sighs> yes, so you can bribe your way up in the line. Um, you can, like, if you decide to go and take the least amount of uh, his particular type of recipe, then you can bump other people down and they get less. Uh, sometimes there's special cards that come out that he shuts down part of the kitchen. You can't even get that. And as each round goes by, your customers get further and for, will pay you less tip. They get angry. Because yeah. they've been waiting longer. And they move towards running out the door and leaving you with negative. It's it's cute. Um we got like the deluxe version. This has wooden tokens instead of cardboard. Yes, it has like all the wooden stuff, which is really cool. Um, and there's each person has like an individual monster that you are. Right. Whereas in the original one, everyone is just a different color of Sasquatch. That's true. I forgot about that. But you could be Sasquatch or Mothman or Chupacabra. Yeah, yeah again, not sorry, but you know me. And I had to have the different shape meeples. Uh, it's cute. It's there's a it's easy enough again to teach to non gamers, but it has some of those extra elements of how do I get in line to get what I want? 
Um, are there, there are sometimes where you can switch customers to try and get the ones that give you more points back and I'm going to gamble on letting this person customer go so I can fill somebody else's order for bigger points. Uh, just kind of a delicate balance there and it's just a different take on contract fulfillment and it's adorable. So that is my number 164, Cryptid Cafe. This is a good one. My number 164 is actually a game that somebody gave to us. Ooh. Uh, I just saw him today at a game store. Oh, yeah. And hey. the game is called Trekking the World. And this is the second game in the Trekking series. There was Trekking the National Parks, never played it. Mm -mm. But this is the second one. And what you're doing in this is you are traveling around the world, trying to get different cards of certain types of icons to fulfill these contracts. You're basically visiting these locations and taking pictures of them, kind of, I think is what's going on. But you're doing that through like a ticket to ride, drawing some cards, getting some cards in your hand. You need to spend certain cards to get to a location to fulfill that location and get points. And it's your, I don't remember how it ends because we haven't played it for a while, but you're just trying to get the most points. Once the you game. get so many. Uh, yeah. But it has really nice production. It has nice art. It's a really easy game to teach and play. Uh, if you've played Ticket to Ride or a game like that, this will feel kind of familiar if you played mm -hmm. Trekking the National Park. I know this is similar to that. I've watched some videos, but this is just a takes that and expands on it. So if you like games like that, check this out. 164, Trekking the World. I like this a little bit better. That's all I'm saying. Um, I have 163 uh, is a, one specific version of a game, but I actually like both. Jason only likes one. Uh, 163 is the quest uh, for El Dorado. Okay, let's take that, let's take that back. I despise one. I really like the other one. <laughs> um, Golden Temple. Golden Temple is the one that I like. Yeah, um, I like them both. This is one of those um, deck builder with a board games. So Quest for El Dorado, you are playing, you need different types of cards to move your person to El Dorado. Uh, sometimes you need like hiking boots or you need um, like what I don't even know what they look like now because you got to go through water and all if it's like a paddle yeah, there's like a paddle there's a like paddle. a machete I think for like jungle and fire I believe I don't know there's icons three different colors or four different colors of icons <laughs> it's a Kinitia game so they mean nothing but they're icons we don't actually own this um, in the in the Golden Temples one it's got an extra element where you're going you're doing a pick up and deliver which is why it's better in addition to like getting the right cards because you're also um, buying cards to make your deck better so that you can go hopefully get out the right cards you need to go through these different types of terrain I like that I, I love deck builders in general um, and I like the way this does it Jason despises the one game because one time he got stuck in this one area. Guess what? I did too. Don't see me complain about it. I came back to win the game. Some people just aren't as resilient as others. I like the Golden Temple one. It's the same thing. You just have to grab something when you're there and take it somewhere else. It's better. Maybe because I had a better experience. They're effectively the same game. I just like the second one better. <laughs> but it is a good game. I, I would like to own this because I think it's really fun. I think it's another easy way to introduce deck builders to people because it makes sense. Like, oh, yeah, 
I do need shoes to walk here. Oh, it's water. I need to be able to paddle through here. Like you can clearly see the representation. Um, and, and I think that then like you understand, okay, here's why I need things in my deck. Here's what I'm going to spend my money on. Like it just, um, is a very like clear connection there. And I, I just think it's fun. So we're on 63, Quest for El Dorado. Yeah, probably not on my list, but I, I, I do I like, know it's I do like that second one. Uh, my number 163 is actually the card game version of Puerto Rico. Oh. Um, and it is called San Juan. And this is um, the inspiration for Race for the Galaxy, I think. I don't know how they came out. But <laughs> this is a game where someone, you, you, you have some cards in your hand. These cards are going to be used in multiple ways. They're going to be buildings. You're going to use them as um, currency to build the buildings. But the way this game works is you're going to pick a role. And there's like five or six different roles, depending on how many players are. When you pick the role, you do the role, and you get a better benefit of that role. But then everybody else also gets to do that with most roles. I think there's one role where that's not the case. But in most roles, everybody else gets to do it as well. So like if I do the build action, I get to build some buildings at a discount. Everybody else can then build one building at full price. So it's it's just a a race to get to like 10 cards in your tableau or 12 cards. And then whoever has the most points after all that's the winner. There's a little more to it, but that's the gist. It's a fun little quick card game. It gives you the same feel of Puerto Rico in like a third of the time. Puerto Rico, I think, is a better game. But San Juan is still fun. It's fast. And it's a lot easier to teach because it's just cards. So 163, San Juan. Yeah, I haven't played Puerto Rico, but I have played San Juan a couple of times. And I like it. Like Jason was describing Puerto Rico uh, on a video, and I'm like... I played that game, and I'm like, no, I yeah. haven't. It I feels like San Juan. Yeah, they have a lot of similar DNA. Yeah, my number 162 is a game we just played the other night um, because once we finally played it, we're like, this game freaking rocks. Um, because it's, again, a little card game with very simple actions but difficult choices, and that's Kobiakawa. So, of course, Kobiakawa, I love it. It's got an Asian theme. Um, uh Sort of. It has no theme. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm, I'm fully buying into the theme. Because the theme helps me explain it. So the cards are numbered 1 to 15. Everyone gets a card. Everyone starts with four tokens. Um, eight tokens go in the middle, and those kind of help with the round marker. The one card is turned over in the middle. That's the Kobiakawa card. That is a card representing uh, a samurai tribe that they like to help fight with the underdog. So, on your turn, you have two choices. You either draw a card and choose one to keep in your hand. You discard the other down in front of you. Or, you don't look and you flip a card over and change what the Kobiakawa is. At the end of everyone doing that, making one of those two choices, you decide, am I going to fight or am I out? If you fight, you put a token in and you want to have the highest card. Easy, right? But the person that has the lowest card, the Kobiakawa are going to fight with them. So they get to add that number to their card. That sounds like it's not going to make a difference, but it makes a huge difference. Sometimes. Oh my gosh, it makes a huge difference. So like if the Kobiakawa card is 15, you're like, well, I don't want to fight. You can't win if somebody has the one. Uh, yeah. But then you're like, well, what if I had the two and the one's not out there? So then I get the 15. It just... Yeah, 
It's a simple game, but it burns your brain a little bit. It does. It does. We played it, and it's quick. It goes really quick. We played a couple, two or three games of it last night. It goes so fast, but everyone's like, ooh, do I, do I? Uh, uh, it's like, oh, man. Like, everyone gets into it. Again, super simple. It's a tiny box. I think we got it for five bucks from AEG. Yeah, the box is even way bigger than it needs to be. <laughs> right. Because, <laughs> again, 15 cards, and I think it plays up to... Seven? Yeah. Six? Yeah, I'm not sure. Something. Yeah, Fred's group likes it. It's a, it's a great game. It is a good game. Yes, it can go anywhere. Like it, And again, it's the cards that come out, but you're also kind of talking, looking at odds, looking at numbers. Um, but again, it's, it's so short that I don't think anyone's going to carry a beef about it. Um, yeah, yeah, it's 15 minutes. <laughs> right. And for, and for me, I really love games that like... My turn is easy. It's either I put, pick up a card, choose, discard, or... Fred said it plays up to six. Six. Thank you, Fred. Flip to change the Kobe Hella. And I stuck with the card in my hand. Like, but the, that choice is everything. And you're like agonizing over it. What am I going to do? Um, to me, that makes for a really good game experience because you teach, it teaches so easy and then, but it provides like I think a really good experience, play experience that's bigger than the actual components themselves. So, by one sixty-two, Kobe Akala. Yeah, it definitely plays better at the higher player counts too because it's more chaos. Yes. It's easier to control at lower player counts, but I think it's more fun at higher because it's just more chaotic. <laughs> um, so my number one sixty-two is a what's your game game, and it is may have been one of the first ones that we got. I think I got it in a trade, which is where I get most of them. And this is called Vasco da Gama. And this is one that Tom Vassell threw off the roof at one point because he has bad tasting games. Did I play this? I have only played this with Brandon and Josie and a couple times by myself at two players. Okay, so no. And this is a game where you're taking on the role of, like, I don't know, an explorer. Vasco da Gama's in the game, who cares? Um, and what you're trying to do is you are exploring through these different islands, trying to collect bonuses and score points. You're also trying to recruit different types of crew because you need different colors and numbers of crew to man these ships. You need captains on your boat. You're also going to be, the, the core of the game is you're going to be drafting, when it's your turn, you're going to take one of your pawns with one of these number markers that's on the board. I think they're like 1 to 30 or something like that. And then based on the economy, if you're, the thing you picked is after or after where the economy marker is, you get to take your action for free. But the economy is going to change each round, so you don't really know. It could go up, it could go down. So you could take something that was safe, then the economy moves, and now you have to pay money that you don't have to take that action. So then you have to forfeit mm -hmm. it. So it's a little, uh, it's a Euro game basically with that little wrinkle in there. It's not a cool enough mechanism to like be as central as it is of the game, but it's fine. But I like the rest of the game. I just think the number thing is whatever. But the rest of the game is fun. Euro game, what's your game? It's complicated, it's a beast, and it's just a good time. So number 162, Vasco da Gama. Yeah, it's definitely not your favorite what's your game. No. It, and it, Yeah, and I think part of it is it's just it feels a little convoluted for, for what you get out of the game when I can play one that I'll talk about later from a, one of my favorite uncles. And it... uh you know, it does everything that I like to, to do, and it's not as convoluted. Okay. 
Uh, my number 161 is Trekking the World. <laughs> this is another one of those games that is right up there for me with the um, Ticket to Rides and those other really simple kind of crossover games. It's got a really fun theme, that travel theme. Um, it's got that sex, set collection kind of contract fulfillment, and yet you're kind of racing to fulfill these different contracts, different places. Um, I think I like the artwork. I personally love a travel theme, so that's why I really enjoy this one. There's one after this that I heard it was like takes this and makes it even better. Trekking through history, yeah, trekking yeah. through history, and now there's her story too, which is also from them. But I don't know anything about that one. Yeah, but I, I, because of this one, I would be interested in those, um, because I, I just really enjoy it. It's, it's simple, but yeah, again, like I play this with my family who aren't super big, super big gamers and they, they had a good time and it's, it's not, doesn't take off forever. Um, and I think there are facts even on the cards about the different places that you're traveling, Yes, which I'm sure you don't read, but I do. Don't care. Um, give me a black card with, or a white card with black icons. I don't really care. But I, I think the others, those other little things about this game make it really fun. And so, 161, Trekking the World. All right, so my number 161, this is in the same camp as Bag of Chips. The gameplay fun is a 10. Mm, 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 mm. I actually had this game ranked pretty high. Like, I gave it a pretty high ranking on BGG, but when I did this ranking, there were just other games that I wanted to play over it. But this is the Golden Ticket game. And this is a game you can get at Target. 20 bucks and this is based on the Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory movie mm -hmm. and what you're doing is you're taking on the role of one of the kids and you're trying to find gold tickets in the Wonka bars and the way you're doing that is you're moving around this I think it's a 3x3 three three grid visiting different locations maybe spending some money to buy bars maybe um, I don't know Running into Willie. Running into Willie he gives you bars and you're just trying you're going to reach into the box grab a bar out some of them have golden tickets, some of them don't. And then once all the bars are gone, you're going to look in your bars. If you have a golden ticket, you win. If you don't, you lose. If someone has all the golden tickets, they're the only winner. There can be multiple winners. There can be one winner. It's just all random, all luck. But the gameplay up to that is not lucky. It's just all luck based on what ticket, like, bar that you grab. It's a really fun game. It's really fast. Played this with a bunch of people who don't play a ton of games, and they loved it. It's so satisfying sliding that candy bar out that looks like a candy bar. See the golden ticket behind there? It's awesome. It's a really fun game. If if you like uh, killer or what is that? Killer bunnies. It's a similar type deal, uh, but this is a cooler theme in my opinion. So my number one sixty one, the golden ticket game. I like this better, a lot better actually. Not like a lot, a lot better, but a lot better. Um, if you are looking for like a fun kind of nostalgia game that you can pick up um, for cheap to take to some like a holiday gathering or as like a present, this is a really great one. I would highly recommend it. The components are excellent. Except for the coins. Yeah, the coins are... The coins suck. The coins suck. You almost said the bad word there. See, it's not me. The coins are terrible. But everything else is amazing. Yes, yeah, like the to you had to put the fold the little bars together, but yeah, the plastic chocolate bars, um, the kids that you move around, like I always and then like if you've seen the movie, 
um, I always sing the songs. I always play Veruca just because she's my favorite. I like to sing her song. Um, I always ask, like, can I hire someone to unwrap my Wonka bars for me because I shouldn't have to do it. Like, it just inspires that kind of fun um, atmosphere. And a lot of people really love this movie. This is the original. And it is the original because Gene Wilder's image is actually for Willie. It's after 10. Don't get a curse. <laughs> Late night. Um... Fred, we don't need this kind of assistance here. BGM There's no BGM after dark. I have yet begun. Um, yeah, it's really good. I like it better. <laughs> Scott thinks you're going to say sherbet. I was. The coins are sherbet, and it's amazing. No. They're trash. They are trash. <laughs> like, if anything needs an upgrade, it's those piece of sherbet coins. <laughs> yep. Uh my number 160 is a game with the longest name, but it's, why am I here? <laughs> with the longest uh, name, but it's really like a quick game. And that is the legend of the cherry tree that blossoms every 100 years. 10 years. Every 10 years. Oh, I thought it was even more exciting if it was 100. Every 10 years. Takes longer to say that name than it does to play the game. It's a push your luck game where you are reaching into a bag and pulling out these flower petals, these blossoms, of different colors. Um, you can only keep a certain number of them. You can put some in and you're drawing, you, you draw them out until you stop. Because if you, if you get three of one color, you bust. I, I think. We haven't played it for a long time. It's either... Three or four of one color or like three blacks or something because you can bust with black but black is wild so it's good so you want to get some right, but yeah, right. they're, they're scarier and then you can if you hit like these certain goals that allows you to maybe keep some extra flowers because you can score points for blossoms in front of your screen and behind your screen um the last time we played it it was a bad experience because whoever we played it with was a big butthole about it um I don't remember that. They were just grouchy. I have other words I could use in BGM After Dark, but I won't. Um, <laughs> they were pieces of sherbet. <laughs> they were. They were being really <laughs> sherbet-y about this whole thing. And it it's a fun game. Like I, It has push-your-luck. And ever since then, I've been kind of gun-shy to suggest it. And I hate that, that somebody made me not want to play a game that I really like um, because they were being a sherbet head about it. But it, it is good. Like, it has that, like, am I drawing? Do I keep drawing? Because you want to get as many blossoms as you can to make these different sets to get yourself points. Um, you don't really know what's behind other people's screens. I think the components are cool. It's beautiful. It's Japanese themed. So, of course, I'm into it. Uh, I just wish I would play it some more. So that's my 160, The Legend of the Cherry Tree. Yeah, I just wish it had more cards that are like the special ability cards. Oh, yeah. That's my issue is there's like four cards and they're double-sided. <laughs> but it's never going to get an expansion, which is sad. Mm, it's sad. So my number 160 is a game that I've never actually played with people. <laughs> I've only played it by myself. And I was bad at teaching myself. And this is called Anachrony. And I want to play this game because it's a really cool theme. It's a time travel theme. You're um, basically these time travelers, and there's an apocalypse coming. 
and you're trying to gather all these resources that you can to protect yourself from the apocalypse. But the interesting thing is you can send resources back to yourself from the future to help you. But then when you meet yourself in the future, you got to pay yourself back. So you're kind of taking loans. It's, it's, it's Martin Wallace loans, but <laughs> done in a clever way other than you have to take a loan. I'm going to slap you around. This is a more fun way to take a loan because you're going in It's time. thematic because yeah. Martin Wallace wouldn't have seen but slapped in the but, face. But that's what it is. You're taking out loans and then you're paying yourself back. But the way you're doing that is through this cool track and meeting all that. It's got some cool art, really cool production. There's a whole bunch of modules. Again, I've only played it a couple times by myself, base game, and it was fun. Um, it's going to be a beast to teach because it's a big box. It's got a lot going on. But at some point, we'll play it. So my number 160, Anachrony. I didn't think that the games that Jason has played by himself made up most of our collection until we start making our top 100 lists and our 100 outside the 100 because I'm like... Scott's with me. I never played that. I never played it. Oh, you played it by yourself? I'm, and you never played with me. Okay, okay. Well, I, I play all these games to learn them, and then sometimes I'm like, whoa, that's a lot. <laughs> and then I'm just like, I don't really want to get that out again. <laughs> or I don't want to teach anybody. Because sometimes teaching sucks. Especially those big heavy beasts. Like, I'm just imagining teaching Brandon that. Or, you know, yeah. most of the people that we play with, I'm like, oh my gosh, that's going to suck. So I just played by myself, and I'm like, well, I already know how to play, so I just... <laughs> yeah, but then that makes me feel like you think I'm a moron that you won't teach me these games. Uh, no, I just, it's not even teaching you. It's just the fact of teaching it in general is less than appealing. So that, that's kind of where I am sometimes. Yeah, I was interested in this game as far as, like, theme goes, but then Dan from the Borgate Rundown likes it, and that makes me suspicious of it <laughs> automatically because I'm not sure about his taste in games, so I'm torn. But I do think... Teaching heavier games is awful, Fred. I agree. I'm the one that usually teaches them. And then I always feel like I'm doing a terrible job because they're hard to teach. They're hard to play and they're hard to teach. So, yeah, I'm, I'm with you. I think part of it is we live in, like, a TLDR kind of world as much as we even try to, like, stay away from that. And if you can get people to suspend the fact that they need to know all the rules... Teaching heavier games would be easier. Or if you could get people to say, you know what, um, okay, I'm going to buckle down, we're going to learn this. You know, or if we took the time to make like a player aid for everyone or something, or honestly, I think the Or more they watched the video before they came. Yeah. Or the more we taught it, we'd probably get better at it too. Yeah. Like, I taught Belgian's beer, Belgian beers rates and I was like, I'm an idiot. Like, everything I'm saying is stupid. Like, why can't I teach this game? Like, I just felt dumb. So I... Yeah. Take that for what it is. It's definitely... I like heavy games, but just... We played Cash and Guns last, yesterday. That rule book is one page. It is way easier to teach a one-page game... <laughs> well, yeah. ...than it is to teach a 40-page game. Even then, sometimes a one-page one game, people are like, huh? I'm like, oh my gosh, it's one page. Like... It's literally one paragraph. That's what I'm trying to teach you right now. So because of that and then knowing if I'm going to teach a Vital game, there's 37 pages of rules here. And you need to know all of them because you got to use them all. So, yeah, yeah. It's, it's tricky. I agree. Um, Fred, like, it, when you see people start to, you can and you can see it, you can see their tendons start to fade as you keep adding rules and adding rules. And or they'll pick up their phone and they'll start playing on their phone. You're like, well, we lost you 20 minutes ago. Yeah. 
I, which I try not to do that. Me, me I too. try not to give rules explanations like that, but sometimes you have to. Some of these big games, you have to give rules explanations like that. So, Yeah. But I think I also, the reason why I don't teach those is because I see my students fade when I'm teaching English. And so I'm like, why well, don't I want to do that when I'm having my own time? I get people that don't pay attention to me and I get paid for it. Why do I bother now? Yeah. Are we going to keep going? or? Uh, what are we on? One, one, we are at 159. Let's do, we'll go to 158 because that's where my page stops. <laughs> okay. Uh, my 159 is a game that Jason talked about a while ago. And uh, I wanted to like it so bad. The uh, box art really appealed to me. And every time I went to a game store, I picked it up. And it's about books. I love books. No, you don't. You're a poser, clearly. I will punch you where people can't see later. <laughs> Do it right now. Quit giving me sherbet, okay? <laughs> uh, Sherbet's sure funny. That's good. That's funny. 159 is Athenium. <coughs> I'm sorry. I'm getting choked up. Athenium is a game about organizing a library. But in Athenium, you are, like, the goals for the library are changing, like, every round. And you don't even have time to do what you want to do. I don't even know why it's on this list. Like, I don't know why I have it on 159. Oh, I love I love. The more game. I think about it, the matter I get about this game. It's like, it's like a, a, a Euro game meets Flux. That's how I kind of look at well, it. Well, I think it's because... Um, I think I play, I, my strategy of playing games does not work with this game because I really like Ex Libris, for example, and you can go back in and you can sort all your shelves out and you get everything right and we move things and it feels good. Athenium, it's like you're slap dashing, throwing things together to meet these goals. It's tactical, not strategic. Yes. Yeah. And I don't yeah. like that. And I'm not a tactical person, actually. <laughs> strategy is one thing. Tactics. Uh, no, which is why I'm bad at like area control. I just can't. I'm like playing this other longer game that's not. It's not skirmish based. I just am not good at that. It's so beautiful. There are different ways to gain points with like candles and other things. So I think those are interesting. Kind of lean into that. Um, I need to give it another go. Part of my problem was also like people were playing things and I was supposed to be getting stuff. Yeah, well, that was, yeah, that's on you. I, but I wasn't taking anything, so I'm like, man, this is really hard. I can't get any yeah. books. And I'm like, oh, well. I think if we did it again, maybe that would be a better taste in your mouth. <laughs> I apparently, like, it was late or something, and I just jacked this up. So I'd like to try it again. Um, so it's at 159, because I'm like, it's a great theme. It's beautiful. It has potential. I think I might be the problem. So that's, that's 159 Athenium. I do like this. I know. My number 159 is a game that's probably higher on Katie's list. I don't know if you've talked about it yet. Um, and I have it. It is higher. The 100 Tory. And this is a game from Pencil First, Vincent Dutrade Art. Yes. Oh, shoot. I don't know. I remember who the designer is. Scott Caputo, I think. Behind us. Yeah, you can't get. Yeah, it's Scott Caputo who's the designer right there. Okay. And this is a tile laying game. On your turn, you're just laying tiles. But what you're trying to do is you are trying to make a path. From the tile that you're placing to a landmark or whatever they're called, like a feature mm -hmm. of the same type that's the shortest distance away. So you're trying to make a long path that's also the shortest path. And you're trying to collect different tokens. You're trying to get these. If you make a match, you get a token. If you can go through Tory gates, 
you're also going to get bonus tokens. And you're trying to get these tokens to cash them in to get a bigger version of your token to score points. Because you can't get points unless you have at least five, mm -hmm. then you cash them in. But the rub here is, if you have tokens available, you can spend them to use the abilities of these characters. Once you cash them in to get the point tile, you no longer get the tile. You no longer can use spend them, and that's that's the tricky yeah. part. And you're just going to play till all the tiles are gone, and then whoever has most points is the winner. There's some other goals for like using the characters a couple times. You can get some goals. If you're the first person to do some things, you can get some goals. But at its heart, place a tile, collect some tokens, tournament. It's, I like it. It's good. I shouldn't like it as much as this because I don't really like tile games, but this one's good. So 159, the 100 Tory. I also don't like tile games, but I really like this one. I don't know if it's like the theme of the Japanese garden that makes it better. It's beautiful. I don't know. I, I believe it's higher on my list. Um, but I don't know where because my list is this Hello Kitty sheet of paper right now. Uh, my number 158, the last one for tonight, is a game from BoardGameTables.com. And I think uh, this is one of their first ones, maybe their first one. Uh, first original one, I believe, because I did oh, like, a okay. bunch of reprints, yeah. Um, and so I was skeptical, and like they make this big deal about it, all the cons, this big table and stuff, but it's really fun. And that game is on tour. There is now an expansion where they go in Europe. There's Europe, and we have the expansion coming that's Paris and New York. So there's two official expansions, yes. So this game is a roll and write. So you're rolling dice and you're flipping. So you're using these numbers, both the number and then it's inverse, to fill in these different bubbles on whatever map you're using. And you're going to connect um, your routes in like numerical order. So, um, I mean, you could start, whichever end you start with, ascending or descending. You can also connect same numbers, that doesn't happen, to try and make the longest tour for your band. Uh, it sounds like, oh, that's so easy. You just roll dice and put a number. It's easy at the beginning. It's, it's <laughs> never easy. Um, because you have cards also that tell you which section of the map that you can use the numbers that you have. And that may not go with the scheme of how you were trying to get across America or wherever with your band. And so you got to decide, you know what? We're just not going to Florida. Uh, I'll put a number down here. It's not going to happen. Floridians don't want to see rock and like, roll anyway. They're fine. Uh, you know what? We're not, we're not making it up to Maine. Sorry. It's off the tour. And you're just, as you get closer to the end, you have less spaces to fill in. You're trying to keep those numbers in a way that you can connect them still uh, and, and hit the most places. It gets intense. Oh, my gosh. And it's just rolling and then flipping some cards. But it gets crazy. I somehow am good at this game. I, Numbers, I don't understand. I've done okay like once. <laughs> Most of the time it's pretty bad. But I'm pretty good at it, uh, which is probably why I haven't like burned it in frustration. But I, I kind of love that puzzly aspect to it. Like, where can I put these numbers so I can get as much connected as I possibly can? Like, ooh, do I think a number's going to fill in between, like, 50 and 75? Am I going to leave that open? Sure. Uh, it's just really, really fun. Uh, pretty simple. You can play a decent number of people with it. 
Uh, and I'm excited to try these new expansions with these different maps. So 158 on tour. And my number 158 is a game that I used to play a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, took it to camp a bunch, played it there. And it's a Yahtzee-esque game, sort of. You're rolling dice yeah. to play something down. And it's called The Order of the Gilded Compass, which is a reprint of Alia Iocta Est. I think that's how you say the thing. The dice will tell, or the dice are cast, or whatever is what it means. And this is a game where you're, you have a pile of dice, a whole bunch of dice. And you're rolling them, and you're going to place certain values or runs of dice on certain spaces on these boards. Some of them are going to give you things immediately. Some of them are going to pay out at the end, whoever has the highest dice. And what you're trying to do is you're trying to collect these different types of artifacts. Mm -hmm. In this one, you're trying to get um, archaeological dig sites and archaeologists to dig at those sites yeah. to score points. Um, there's like certain gold cards you can get where you're trying to get certain types of pieces. There's some push your luck stuff that you're doing. Mm -hmm. It's got all these different places you can go to to collect stuff. So roll dice, go to a thing, collect the stuff. That's what you're doing. And you're going to play over like four or five rounds and whoever more points after all that's winner, uh, the winner. It's Yahtzee. It's going to a spot collecting things. So it's a good entry level game yeah. because most people have rolled dice and put them down on things. <laughs> but this one is the, the, the things you're putting them down on are a little bit deeper than Oh, I got five in a row. I mark off a Yahtzee. This one's a little bit deeper than that. And it has cool art, I think. So, yeah. number 158, Order of the Gilded Compass. I like the colors. It just seems very soothing. And a lot of people like that archaeology theme. And then there's several, like, enough that you can switch out yeah. the places. And they're double-sided. For the dice, so that you can mix it up a little, so it's not repet as repetitive as it could be. Like, it, yeah, I think it's fun. Okay. We've kept you long enough. It's getting late. Thank you guys for watching. Let's recap our 170 to 158. My number 170 was Ohanami. 169, Bring Out Your Dead. 168, Blackout Hong Kong. 167, Celestia. 166, Dogs of War. 165, Ancient Terrible Things. 164, Cryptid Cafe. 163, The Quest for El Dorado. 162, Kobiakawa. 161, Trucking the World. 160, The Legend of the Cherry Tree that Blossoms Every 10 Years. 159, Athenium. And 158, On Tour. My number 170 is Bag of Chips. 169, Queen's Architect. 168, Furnace. 167, Nagaraja. 166, Role Player. 165, Lawyer Up. 164, Trekking the World. 163, San Juan. 162, Vasco da Gama. 161, The Golden Ticket Game, 160, Anachrony, 159, The 100 Tory, and 158, Order of the Gilded Compass. Okay. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, Fred. You guys are the sherbet. <laughs> and on that note, I'm sure. <laughs> Thanks, guys. We will be back sometime again in the next couple of days to do another one. Bye.